0: Looking at our world from a theological perspective, this
1: is the Theology Central Podcast, making Theology Central.
2: Good morning, everyone. It is Tuesday, November the 14th, 2023. It is currently 1130 a.m. Central Time, and I am coming to you live from the Theology Central studio located right here in Abilene, Texas. This is one of those situations where when I started walking up the stairs to the studio, all I could think is, this is going to be an absolute waste of time. This is going to be useless, pointless. This is going to be meaningless, meaningless, meaningless. Vanity of vanities, all is vanity. This, it just, I I know that I... Literally am going to be wasting my time here, wasting probably your time, wasting my breath because nothing is actually going to change. Unfortunately, where we are as a country, where we are even as the church, just using that in a generic way, where we are within Christianity right now is so broken, so divided, so divisive, so just unhinged that really any attempt to try to tell everyone, stop, 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 stop. You're just going to get shoved out of the way and nobody wants to listen to you. Everyone's going to be like, we don't care what you have to say. This is the way we're going. And it feels like, and I know, I know feelings are not, Feelings are not a good indicator of reality. I'm very, very aware of that fact. I'm very aware of that fact. But at the same time, you just look around and you're like, what is happening? And 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 there are situations, right? In other words, there there's always this overall, uh, uh, it's probably been going on for a number of years. There's just this overall feeling that like, what is happening? Things are just falling apart. Things are spiraling out of control. Where is the church headed? Where is the country headed? What are we doing? But then you just kind of, you just kind of fall into, you know, comfortably numb. You just kind of accept this is just the way things are and you just, you're okay. And then something else will happen. Something else will be said and it just hits you in a really profound way. And you just can't get, you just can't move on. And something was said recently that just, I can't, I can't just move on. It, it, it so has bothered me so much. And it just, once again, brings up all of these feelings of what is happening, what is going on? And then it, it, it makes me then look to 2024 going, are we even going to survive 2024? Really? What, what is, what is American? By the time we get to the end of 2024, I mean, I'm really, this is just, a, this is not, A question to be sensational or for, or for to be, you know, hyperbolic. This is a sincere question. By the end of 2024, what does the United States of America look like? And more importantly, what does the church look like? What does Christianity look like? Because sadly, sadly, where the country is politically, where the country is philosophically, it's ex, the exact same place the church is. At large, the church at large is taking so much of its thinking and philosophy and attitudes and actions and words directly from the world of politics and the culture. And we're supposed to be, we're not of this world, right? We're in it, but we're not of it. We're supposed to be separate. We're supposed to be different. But I'm sorry. We're not that separate. We're not that different. The church very, in, in many cases, either looks like it's a part of the Republican party or maybe it looks like it's a part of the Democratic party. But sadly, it looks more political than it does spiritual. It looks more cultural than it does theological. It looks more ideologically driven than biblically driven. Something is is desperately wrong. And because of the influence of politics, when certain things are said, especially by certain political leaders, I know it is going to either be defended, supported, or sadly it's going to be, it's going to be followed. It's going to be like get their marching orders are going to come from certain political individuals. And we know within the conservative church, the conservative church, people who want to stand for supposed family values and biblical morality and godliness, those who, who will say scripture is the word of God. And they, they tend to be very, very conservative. They also tend to be very, 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 very much in love with Donald Trump. They seem to listen to him, to support him, to defend him, to promote him, to vote for him. And there are times I'm like, how do you not see the disconnect between your biblical Christianity in the political leader that you almost worship at times? In fact, there's some, it, it's sad, it almost feels like worship. But for a very, very long time, in fact, from almost the very beginning, when Trump entered into the political scene for the Republicans, right, before that, we could talk about maybe him being more liberal, but whenever he had this conversion to a more uh, pol- a, a conservative political mindset, it did not take very long that you would hear him completely just rip people into pieces verbally, calling them names, just almost like a bully, just ripping and tearing and calling names and dehumanizing his enemies over and over and over and over again. And no matter how over the top, how inappropriate, how horrible his words were, Those within Christianity defended it and supported it. And no matter how big of a lie he promoted, right, about the election being stolen or whatever, there were those within the church promoting it, defending it, supporting it, attacking anyone who disagreed. In fact, what was weird is what happened is they would take some of the rhetoric that Trump would use, it's over-the-top, vile, hateful, ungodly, and then almost merge that with their Christianity to act like that they had a moral and spiritual reason to speak and talk of other people in that way. And you would just sit back going what what is happening to the church what is happening to Christianity and we've talked about this on this podcast for years now that trump in a sense was a test to the evangelical church and the church failed the trump test we threw out all of our our spirituality all of our biblical concepts to, for to embrace political power so that we could try to impose our biblical morality on those who don't believe. It, it It's just the whole thing was crazy what we have witnessed. And sadly, I think it's going to get worse in 2024. So, these are issues that I've talked about, I have felt. So, So why? Why did I walk up the steps today to talk about it one more time? Because I know it's a waste of time. All I'm going to get, I'm going to get emails and comments. Ooh, how dare you attack us conservative Christians? Wait, when you say a conservative Christian, you mean conservative politically, because I'm a conservative Christian theologically. There's no way to get around that, right? I I, I would be conservative, conservative, conservative in my theology. But the thing is, I don't like to use the word conservative from a political standpoint to, to identify myself, because I'm not identified by a political ideology. I want to be identified from a theological perspective versus beyond anything else. In fact, what I want to be identified is as a sinner who needed a, a great savior, which is Jesus Christ, who I trust and believe in him for his imputed righteousness, because without that, I am doomed. I want to be identified in Christ, not identified by politics. But if you speak about anything, If you if you speak about anything immediately, people will like, how dare you say mean things about conservative Christians? Wait, stop using the term conservative Christians to refer to Christians because I'm a conservative Christian. I just don't hold your love and support for the Republican Party and Donald Trump. But see, the minute I say that, then somehow I'm no longer conservative. And now I'm liberal and ungodly and basically a Satanist. Which the whole situation has, is spiraled so far out of control, showing that the church has been so politically hijacked that we're of no spiritual value anymore. We 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 we're 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 no different than any other political organization. So, but we've talked about that. So then why am I here? Because just recently, in fact, while Trump is supposedly celebrating. Veterans Day, right? You know, the day that we're supposed to remember veterans who who maybe gave their lives for this country, for the freedoms in this country. And one of the great things about this country, and as a veteran myself, one of the great things about this country is the defending and supporting of people's freedoms and rights, To believe what they want to believe, to believe in God or to not believe in God, to believe in any God of their choosing, to have freedom to disagree, the freedom to vote in a way that may go against me, that this is the beautiful thing about this country is the idea of freedom and that veterans die to defend that freedom. The freedom that you defend, the freedom you want to protect is the freedom for people to be different than you, disagree with you, believe differently than you. That's the beautiful thing about freedom. Well, it was on Veterans Day that Donald Trump gave a speech. And I guess in that speech, he decided, hey, instead of talking about veterans, let's talk about, well, people. And once again... He found himself doing what he does so frequently, he begins to dehumanize his enemies. And we're going to listen to some news reports that are talking about this and what happened. It's been everywhere. What I'm going to report here and we're going to listen to is nothing new. It's been talked about literally everywhere because a lot of people have been shocked, bothered, and upset about this. Now, for me, let's make this very clear. If Trump had no influence, if Trump had zero influence... On the American church. If Trump had zero influence on Christianity, I wouldn't even be reporting it. I wouldn't even be talking about it. I wouldn't care because it would be something that's happening in the world, something happening within politics. It has no bearing on Christianity, no bearing on the church. Hey, that's what the world does. They talk that way. They act that way. We shouldn't expect anything different. That's the way the world talks, right? But as Christians, here's what we're supposed to do, right? It wouldn't really be that big of an issue, but I just have witnessed now since 2016, probably beginning in 2015, that the way Trump goes, the church follows. And I've talked about this for a long time, going even back to the 1990s, when I would hear Christian men start talking about social issues or political issues. And I'm like, you guys sound more like Rush Limbaugh than you do Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. And then after Rush Limbaugh moved on and uh, passed away, then other other, you know, conservative talk show hosts it began to sound the Christian men when they talk about political issues, they sound like either Glenn Beck or or Sean Hannity or Tucker Carlson or Fox News and you're like, "Why can't we have and again, I, and I can't speak of of Christian women, but of Christian men, why can't we have Christian men who sound like the Bible and not their political Leaning. Why Why are they more political than they are theological? And every time you point that out, you get criticized. But once again, it shows the political hijacking of the American church. So when Trump says things, you look, in fact, other, again, there's been books written about this, that, uh, I mean, the, the church and Trump and and people try to reconcile, how did we get here? How did we get here where a good portion of, you know, what, 80-something percent of white evangelicals were like, we support Trump? And you're like... Wait a minute, how did we get here? What what happened? Where where did we go? And even many people who are not even Christian look at the going, what has happened to the church? So this has been a struggle for a long time, but this is the reason I talk about it. It's not because I care about politics. In fact, I loathe politics. I hate politics. I do not vote because I so despise the entire system. But what I despise more than anything is how that system has infiltrated the bu- the body of Christ. And not only is it infiltrated, it is corrupted, it is shaped, it has conformed it. Sadly, we are no longer being conformed to the image of Christ. We are no longer being transformed by the renewing our minds to Christ. We are being transformed and conformed to the image of a political party and ideology. And, and, and trying to speak against it, sometimes you just feel like you're wasting your time. You feel like Jeremiah trying to preach to an entire world that no, that doesn't care what you have to say and not going to listen to you. Now, I know that's a little maybe not accurate. I know that because I think there are many Christians who are just as bothered and concerned about it as I am. I think there's many Christians out there going, what has happened to my church? Forget it. I'm done with the church. I'm done with this, this, you know, image of Christianity that is just so hijacked by a right wing political perspective. They're done with it because in and, and, and some cases you can't blame them. It's not like they're walking away from the church. They're walking away from the Republican Party. That's what they're walking away from. But sadly, sometimes it's hard to distinguish the church from, from a Trump rally. Sometimes it's hard to distinguish the church from Fox News. Sometimes it's hard to distinguish the church from QAnon. You walk away from that. Well, I can understand why you walk away from that. Now those people who are who are all politically hijacked, they will sit there thinking they're morally superior and, and condemn everyone, but they haven't realized what they've done. They're driving people away from Christ. They're not bre- they're, they're literally driving people away from the very thing they say that they so desperately believe in. Because you've brought in so much of your political nonsense. But as I as I was saying. None of this is new. I've been struggling with this forever. And I try my very best to keep this podcast focused on biblical text and, and theological issues and church history or whatever the case may be. I try not to allow this to become so focused on cultural issues and political issues because that's the last thing we need. But in this particular case, something, again, what Trump said on Veterans Day so impacted me and bothered me that I haven't been able to get past it. So here we are, November the 14th, 2023, and I have, to, I have to talk about it. I have to mention it. So you ready? Let's listen to some of the reports. Here's the first report. They will articulate what was said and we'll talk about, I just want to use what was said, not so much to talk about Trump, I want to use what was said to talk about how this mindset has so entered into Christianity that we have to ask ourselves, how has it impacted you and how has it impacted me? This is, I want to make this very clear. What Trump does is I don't care about what Trump does and how it impacts the church. That's what I care about. So some of you are going to want to make this about Trump. And some of you are going to immediately go, but, but, but what about, what about, what about, what about? When you point to bad behavior to justify bad behavior, that is a logical fallacy. You don't justify bad behavior by pointing to other bad behavior, condemn all of it. The reason I so focus on the Republican Trump side is because that's the side that has a much more profound influence on conservative churches. I have to explain this every single time because people never comprehend this. The liberal political party, the churches that they influence, those churches already abandoned Christianity. Those churches that are so liberal in their theology, they abandon Christianity, begin to deny the inspiration of scripture, the infallibility of scripture, the deity of Christ on and on and on. So them being influenced by a liberal politic is a rego- that's that's the less that's the least of their problems. Their problems they abandon theology. But in the conservative churches that still hold to the biblical theology, the political hijacking of them is much more concerning to me because you look at their churches and their statement of faith and you're like, okay, that's a decent statement of faith. They seem to have good doctrine. They seem to have good theology. But you start listening to the people talking like they're so politically hijacked. I don't even realize they're corrupting and destroying Christianity and they're replacing Christianity with their politic. That's why I focus on the side coming from the right. Because that's the kind of church that I believe, sadly, still has good theology, but they're allowing the political nonsense to infiltrate them. And we've looked at how this shows up in different ways. But today, let's consider how Trump and his constant strategy of dehumanizing those whom he disagrees with, how this dehumanizing of his enemies How that has a profound impact, not only from a societal standpoint, from a political standpoint, from a national standpoint, how that mindset infiltrates those within the body of Christ. And that is anathema. And that must be spoken of. So let's listen to what happened.
0: On Saturday, President Joe Biden marked Veterans Day with a visit to Arlington National Cemetery in Virginia. During his remarks, the president paid tribute to America's veterans and called them, quote, the steel spine of this nation. And here's the message former President Donald Trump chose to deliver last night for Veterans Day during a speech in New Hampshire. In honor of our great veterans on Veterans Day, we pledge to you that we will root out The communists, Marxists, fascists and the radical left thugs that live like vermin within the confines of our country. Look, ever since Donald Trump made his way down that escalator and burst onto the political scene in 2015, we've grown used to his frequently unhinged and abusive rhetoric. But tonight I want to talk about a specific word used by Trump there. Vermin. That's not a word we often hear used in everyday conversation. In fact, it's a very specific word that carries a very specific historical connotation. It was a word frequently used by Nazis to dehumanize Jewish people during the Holocaust. For example, according to historical accounts in 1939, Adolf Hitler told the Czech foreign minister, quote, This vermin must be destroyed. The Jews are our sworn enemies. Now, this isn't the first time Trump has been caught echoing the rhetoric of Nazis and white supremacists a few weeks ago. He said that undocumented immigrants were, quote, poisoning the blood of our country, which again echoes the rhetoric of Hitler, who made similar remarks in Mein Kampf. So there you have it. An ex-president and current frontrunner for the GOP presidential nomination, not once but twice in just the last few weeks, taking a page right out of Hitler's Nazi propaganda playbook. Surely the media must be all over this, calling out his dangerous rhetoric for what it is, right? Sadly, no. Here's how the New York Times chose to cover Trump's remarks yesterday. The headline read, quote, Trump takes Veterans Day speech in a very different direction. Hmm. I say read because they later updated the headline to, quote, in Veterans Day speech, Trump promises to root out the left. Still not quite there, but it's a stark difference from the sanitizing they did the first time around. Now, to be fair to the New York Times, the same publication is out with some new and very important reporting on the very real dangers of a possible second Trump term, especially when it comes to his immigration policy. According to a bombshell piece that dropped just yesterday, Trump is planning an extreme expansion of his first-term crackdown on immigration if he returns to power in 2025. Quote, including preparing to round up undocumented people already in the United States on a vast scale and detain them in sprawling camps while they wait to be expelled. Yes, camps, but that's not all. According to The Times, Trump also plans to clamp down on legal immigration. For example, during a second Trump term, the visas of foreign students who participated in anti-Israel or pro-Palestinian protests would be canceled. And U.S. consular officials abroad would be directed to expand ideological screening of visa applicants, making it easier to block people that the Trump administration considers to have, quote, undesirable attitudes. This is a man who doesn't just borrow the rhetoric and policies of dictators and demagogues, but openly admires and praises them. Now, that's typical
2: of Trump. These over-the-top, unhinged comments that dehumanize people dehumanize. They live like vermin and he just start re- re- calling them all these names, Marxist, fascist, thugs, just start calling them all these names. Well, when you do that, you dehumanize these people. You dehumanize other human beings. And what are the ramifications of that? Let's listen to another report of this. Same thing, because there's been lots of Uh, discussions about this whole con, this whole everything that happened on Saturday in this
1: speech. Here's another report. Tonight, here's the headline in The New York Times, quote, accused of echoing fascists. Trump campaign warns its critics will be, quote, crushed, accused of echoing fascists. I mean, you either are echoing fascists or you aren't. Despite the sort of the pulling the punch element of that headline, the subheadline on that story tonight in The New York Times does get there a little more directly. The sub the subhead, uh says, quote, the former president likened political opponents to vermin, similar to the dehumanizing rhetoric wielded by dictators like Hitler and Mussolini. Uh, the Washington Post headline just got there more directly. Headline, Trump calls political enemies vermin, echoing dictators Hitler and Mussolini. The quote from Trump was this. He said, quote, We will root out the communists, Marxists, fascists, and radical left thugs that live like vermin within the confines of our country, lie, steal, and cheat on elections, and will do anything possible, whether legally or illegally, to destroy America and the American dream. The threat from outside forces is far less sinister, dangerous, and grave than the threat from within.
2: Please note, the threat within... Live like vermin who lie and basically cheat and still elections. Once again, still promoting the lie, still promoting the lie after all of this time, still promoting the lie, but then dehumanizing them that they live like vermin and that the threat is from within. All of this rhetoric, all of this dehumanizing only creates a situation where a group of people then feel morally superior for attacking people, whether verbally, Physically, who knows what it leads to, but it doesn't lead to anything even remotely good. Now, again, that happening in the world, I understand the world's going to play these games, they're going to dehumanize, they're going to attack, they're going to do, but it's within the church where we are, sadly, we follow the example, not of Christ. Sadly, many follow the example of their political party of choice or their political leader, their political savior, which for many seems to be. Donald Trump. Let's listen to a little bit more of this.
1: A threat from within, the vermin. The former president made these comments in a Veterans Day speech. They did not appear to be ad-libbed. They appeared to have been written as part of the speech in uh, something he read off his teleprompter by all appearances. Even if by some chance they weren't in the teleprompter for that speech, he certainly made clear that he meant them for sure. And he meant them just like that when he put them in writing in a social media post that used the exact same language, that used that same word vermin after he developed after he delivered the speech in in New Hampshire. And this is not subtle, right? (laughs) I mean, everybody knows what this means. If you know one thing about mass murdering dictators in history, it's that they refer to the people they want to mass murder as vermin, pests, rats, insects, termites, right? Anything to make their followers see those people as mm, something to be exterminated, not someone you might know. Professor Ruth Ben-Ghiat, who's the author of the book Strongmen, said today, quote, all of this is part of his effort to re-educate Americans to see violence as justified, patriotic and even morally righteous. But to get people to lose their aversion to violence, savvy authoritarians also dehumanize their enemies. That is what Trump is doing. The
2: dehumanizing of your enemy, then making you feel morally superior for attacking them. And this mindset is so prevalent, I think, even within certain—well, let me say this. It's prevalent within certain elements of Christianity where we dehumanize people. We don't see people as, that's another human being. No, we see someone as— well, they're a part of the LGBTQ community, or they're this, or they're that, or they're liberal, or they're this, or they're a demon or, or or whatever we're going to start using our little names. We dehumanize them. We strip them of their humanity. We stop seeing people as created in the image of God who has an eternal soul. We see enemies to be attacked, to be destroyed, to be conquered, to be beaten, so that we can establish our worldview upon them, and then they will bow and submit and do what we tell them to do. I cannot speak for anyone else, but for me, I'm growing, by the minute, more discouraged, more just depressed by where things are going. Let's consider this idea of dehumanizing one's enemies. Dehumanizing one's enemies can have profound social and psychological and ethical consequences Here are some reasons why dehumanization occurs and its potential consequences. Number one, psychological justification. Dehumanizing others allows individuals or groups to distance themselves morally from their actions towards those they perceive as enemies. By perceiving the enemy as less than human, it becomes easier to justify mistreatment, violence, or even discrimination against them, dehumanize them, then you feel psychologically justified in what you say and what you do and how you treat them. A loss of empathy. Dehumanization can lead to a reduction in empathy for others. When we no longer see our enemies as fully human, we may be less able to understand or relate to their experience, emotions, and suffering. This can contribute to a sense of indifference or callousness towards their well-being. That's one of the things that you become less empathetic towards them. You just see them as the enemy. You don't care about them. You feel psychologically justified in your actions and then you lose all empathy, all concern because they're not a person. They are an ideology to be destroyed escalation of conflict. Dehumanization or dehumanizing the enemy can contribute to the escalation of conflicts. By stripping away the humanity of the other side, it becomes easier to promote aggression and violence, perpetrating and, and perpetuating a cycle of retaliation and further dehumanization. You perpetuate a cycle of retaliation and dehumanization. It continues. It escalates the conflict. Things don't get better. They get worse. Justification for war crimes and atrocities. Dehumanization has been shown to contribute to the commission of war crimes and atrocities. When people view their enemy as subhuman, they may feel justified engaging in acts of extreme violence, torture, or other forms of inhumane treatment. Once you dehumanize an entire group or entire population or an entire race, then you're like, "Well, do this to them or do this." It's justified. It's okay. Hey, it's okay to capture them and waterboard them. I mean, they're less than human anyway, right? It's okay to hold them. You know, it, well, we could go on and on and on to s- some things that have happened since nine eleven, but we won't go through all of that. Polarization and division. Dehumanization can deepen societal division and polarize communities. When one group starts seeing other as less than human, it reinforces an us versus them mentality, fueling hatred, prejudice, and discrimination. This can lead to social fragmentation, conflict, and a breakdown of trust and cooperation. Next, impeding reconciliation and peace building. Dehumanization can hinder efforts towards reconciliation and peace building. Rebuilding relationships and finding common ground becomes much more difficult when one sees the other as fundamentally inferior or unworthy of respect and consideration. It is important to recognize the dangers of dehumanization and strive for empathy, understanding and respect towards all individuals, even those we consider our enemies. Promoting dialogue, fostering empathy and challenging dehumanizing beliefs and attitudes can contribute to a more compassionate and peaceful world. Now that's written from a secular perspective, but sadly, that last paragraph sounds like what Christians should be saying, but we don't hear that from many Christians, especially many Christian men because we talk a big game. Like we're like we're like we just got done watching Fox News and now we're ready to call some people some names. Want some people killed. What when, when we want to we yeah, it's just it's ridiculous the way it it works. I could just quote a couple of scriptures here. Blessed are the merciful for they shall obtain mercy. Now, I understand. That's what we're called to be. We're never going to be that. Thank goodness Christ is merciful, but we should strive for it, right? Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Are you a peacemaker? And then we have these very important words. You have heard that it's been said, this is Matthew five thirty eight. You have heard that hath been said, an eye for an eye and a tooth for a tooth. But I say unto you that you resist not evil. Whosoever shall smite thee on thy right cheek, turn to him the other also. And if any man will sue thee at the law, take away thy coat, let him have that cloak also. And whoever will compel thee to go a mile, go with him twain. Give to him that asks thee, and from him that would borrow of thee, turn not thou away. You've heard that hath been said, thou shalt love thy neighbor and hate thine enemy. But I say unto you, Love your enemies. Bless them that curse you. Do good to them that hate you and pray for them which despitefully use you and persecute you. Love your enemies. You can't love your enemy when you're dehumanizing them. You can't love your enemy when you laugh and think it's all funny and you think it's all great that Trump says all of these horrible, horrific things, referring to people in the most uh, ungodly words and, and and attitudes. And you say, well, What about them? 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 You can point to those who do it on the other side. I'm trying to speak to the that world that would have the greatest impact on the church. What the liberal world is doing typically doesn't have that much impact on the conservative church. I am talking about those who emulate, who follow the example of what they hear on Fox News, other conservative talk show hosts, and clearly from Trump's Truth Social account before that, the Twitter account. His, his speeches where he just says the most horrific and ungodly things and Christians defend it and they support it and they emulate it. All in the name of Jesus. Dehumanize your enemy. What happens? Let me go through those again. It'll give you psychological justification And how you treat them, discriminate them, how you handle them, you're going to lose your empathy. It's going to only escalate the conflict. It's going to, it can justify horrible things. You can justify horrible things being done because you've so dehumanized your enemy. It's going to lead to polarization and division. It's going to impede reconciliation. And that's why listen to the last paragraph. It is important to rec- recognize the dangers of dehumanization and strive for empathy, understanding, and respect towards all individuals, even those we consider our enemies. Promoting dialogue, fostering empathy, and challenging dehumanizing beliefs and attitudes can contribute to a more compassionate and peaceful world. Now, we're never going to get to a very compassionate and peaceful world because we all have sinful natures, but we can try to say, you know what, this is just unacceptable. I'm not going to, I'm not going to, when we, when, when Christians think electing a, a, a president who acts like a junior high kid on the, on the playground, who bullies people and calls everyone names, and we justify that in the name of Jesus, maybe we have some issues within the church. Maybe the church isn't really the moral compass we try to pretend to be. We're supposed to love our enemies. Ephesians 4:25 Put away lying, speak every man truth with his neighbor. Yeah, put away lying. Stop bearing false witness. Those, those are some basic things. You know, stop putting the lie that the election was stolen. Stop with your QAnon conspiracy theories. Stop with the nonsense. But no, 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 no. You can't get people to stop. Let no... Corrupt communication proceed out of your mouth, but that which is good to the use of edifying, that it may minister grace unto the hearers and grieve not the Holy Spirit of God, whereby you are sealed unto the day of redemption, let all bitterness, wrath, and Anger, clamor, evil speaking be put away from you with all malice. Be ye kind one to another, tender hearted, forgiving one another, even as God for Christ's sake hath forgiven you. Maybe as we go into 2024 and this election, which is going to be horrible, divisive, destructive, and detrimental to the church. Forget the country to the church. Maybe, maybe we need to take Ephesians 4 and we may want to write some of those things down. Maybe we need to stop the dehumanizing and bearing false witness against people. Maybe the church needs to say enough is enough. Now, I can point out how Trump dehumanizes his enemies. I can point out how those within Christianity Dehumanizes their enemies. I could play clips from American Family Radio where they dehumanize the vice president. they de- de- dehumanize Joe Biden and mock his age and his mental ability or any- they mock and they call names, they have their little nicknames. They're trying to mimic like they're, they're you know Glenn Beck or Sean Hannity or Fox News. that's on a Christian radio network. A Christian radio network, not like, hey, let's this, it's horrible that it when when these things happen to Joe Biden, let's pray for him because it's sad that when as age you know deteriorates your mental ability in your body. I'm like, no, 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 no. No compassion, no empathy, because you dehumanize, you dehumanize, you dehumanize. That even Christian radio likes to use names because they dehumanize. By dehumanize, they show no empathy, no compassion, no love for their enemy. They act like completely ungodly, unhinged lunatics. Did I just dehumanize them? Probably I just was guilty of the very same thing. But that's what it feels like. Not justifying what I just did. It's easy to fall into that. Let me give you an example. I absolutely, 1,000%, loathe, hate, despise, if it was up to me, I would wipe it off the face of earth, is charismatic theology. I don't care if it's charismatic light. I don't care if it's the full-blown charismatic, I don't care what it is. Anything that comes close to charismatic theology, I loathe it. I hate it because I feel it's so detrimental to human beings. It makes promises that people, it it destroys lives. It hurts people. I loathe it. I loathe it. I loathe it. I loathe it. And it can be very, very, very easy for me. When I'm preaching or teaching on charismatic theology and I'm listening to some charismatic pastor maybe something from Bethel Church, it doesn't matter where, and they start saying crazy things about God guarantees healings, and they do the, and it's just all these promises that I can just hear people who are suffering thinking that they, oh, look, 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 I, I can be healed of this disease, and all and knowing all the damage it's going to do, I can lose it in the middle of a sermon review or preaching about it, and I want to start calling, I can start calling them names. These people are lunatics. These people, and I can, and guess what? I start dehumanizing them. And it's very hard for me to sometimes see them as human beings, creating the image of God, seeing them as, may see them as my theological enemy, but I'm supposed to love my enemy. I mean, I want to hate their theology. That's okay. I can hate an ideology, I can hate an ideology. I can hate a philosophy. I can hate a theology. But we cannot dehumanize the people. See, we don't have to humanize the ideology. We don't have to humanize the concept. It's always a fine line here. But it's very easy to start just dehumanizing the people. Now, if I can, if I can, I can speak bluntly and harshly against the theology of charismatic theology. Like I can speak against it and be blunt, and go in a full-blown rant against that, and I don't feel like I've crossed some line. I I think I've been angry, but yet sin not. The Bible tells me to be angry and sin not. I think I can do that, right? I think that's a righteous anger, but once it starts dehumanizing the people, starts dehumanizing the individual, I've crossed the line, and I have crossed the line 37 billion times in my life. A little bit of hyperbole, but probably not much. When when I... uh, I've talked about how my four years of high school was an absolute nightmare, living, just horrible nightmare. It was like a little hyperbolic, but it was, it was, it was horrible. I mean, it's not even, that's not even hyperbolic. I was going to say it was like literally hell on earth, but that, that would be hyperbolic and that would, be, that would minimize actual hell. So that's probably not a, a, a right way to describe it, but it was horrible. It was a nightmare. I would not wish it upon anyone. Well, when I think back to that time and some of the people and the things I went through, it's easy to dehumanize them. I just speak of them as a, a just a collective, that everyone in that school, and, and there were times in my life, I'm just going to be very honest with you. And, and, and as ungodly as it was, I wanted them to come to great harm. But there was a way of just dehumanizing them, just seeing them as, not seeing them as humans, just see them, just see them as their action, not as there's something deeper beyond the action, which is not always easy to do when you're the one suffering. But Christ calls us to love even our enemies, to forgive those. To bless those and do good to them who persecute us and would use us. Uh, what Christ calls for is so radically different. Now, we're not always going to fall short of it. Yes. That's why, thank goodness, Christ was able to fulfill all of that for me. So, my as, as far as salvation is concerned, thank goodness for an imputed righteousness. But I'm still called to pursue this. All of the politics, all of this rhetoric... If you find yourself getting pulled into it, you're going to just dehumanize people and you're not going to be following the biblical mandate. You may hate an ideology, that's okay. Don't dehumanize the people because they're still human beings. And what you should really want for those human beings if you're truly are looking at it from a biblical perspective is you want them to be brought to faith in Jesus Christ. But I think what some people want is they want the destruction of their political enemies, or they want those political en- enemies to be placed in a situation where they are forced to submit to the political ideology you want to impose upon them. You want just their defeat. You want, you don't care about love or salvation or, or compassion or empathy. And when you see politics as you you versus them you win we won we won when 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 you you sometimes you hear sports fans do that right we won our team no no we didn't do anything you were sitting there on the couch eating a bag of doritos and drinking a coke. we didn't do anything you didn't do anything but you become so connected to your team that it's now we it's us well, you do, people do that with their political parties. We, us. No, no, not we, us. Politicians won. So they get, to, they get to have now a position of power and authority and make money. And probably don't even know you exist or care that you exist. And probably won't be too worried if their policies negatively impact you. But go ahead and commit yourself to a particular political team. You're just a number. We don't want to be dehumanized, but we don't want to dehumanize others. Now, who knows what Trump is going to say moving forward? He may refer to these people need to be rooted out like vermin. He may refer to people, hey, every name of them, because as long as you start referring to people as these names, then your followers will then view those people according to those dehumanizing names and and then you then see them as less than human and then see them as people to just be destroyed and spoken negatively of. And then you will use those little same names against them, not even realizing how far away you are from biblical Christianity. The dehumanizing has to stop. Love our enemies. Put away anger, wrath, bitterness, clamor, all, all of those things. Compassion, empathy, love, forgiveness. Put away false bearing false witness. Put away lying. Speak the truth. Perceive people as people creating the image of God, even if you strongly disagree. And if we can't at least maintain that somehow within the church, We should just take the cross down and replace it with a symbol of the Republican Party and just give political speeches, cultural philosophy, cultural ideology, and just put away the Bible's. Because this mixing it with Christianity is horrible, deplorable, and destructive to historical, biblical Christianity. You can email me your disagreements, newsif at yahoo.com. That's news, if, at yahoo.com. That's newsif at yahoo.com. News Newsif at yahoo.com. Everyone have a great day.
0: God bless.